Welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. This is Jared Cameron speaking. I'm joined today by DG. David, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. Very glad to be here. We're at the lunch uh, session. Lunch, well, it's not actually a session, is it? It's a lunch break. Yeah, lunch break. Get around and check yeah. out some of the vendors around the room. And awesome. We're joined today by Jim McCoy from Manpower. How are you doing, Jim? Hi, Jared. Great. Hi, David. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, great to meet you too, Jim. Awesome. You might be able to spot the accent there. And Jim, where are you from? Uh, I'm from the U.S. I think it was a telltale. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually live in Boston, but I don't have a Boston accent. So no. I uh, uh, grew up in the middle of the country. Oh, good man. Yeah. And look, you just literally walked out of a presentation and uh, yeah, walked right. in and sat down in our podcast booth. So you know, tell us a bit about what we're talking about today. That's right. Well, you guys don't waste any time. So it, it was a really <laughs> exciting presentation, actually. What, um, what I presented were the findings of a study that we did on candidate preferences. So as you know, being in the technology space, the way candidates are interacting with organizations is really changing very rapidly. And so several years ago, we started a study. Um, we started it in the U.S., then year two expanded it to include Australia, UK, China, Mexico. This past year, we included 19 countries and about 15,000 respondents. And it, the, really, the focus was for what happens to an individual when they start to embark on a career search or when they first hear about an opportunity, where do they look for information? What do they view as trusted sources? How are they using social media? Um, really, what we wanted to to, to get was a, a really good picture of what it takes to engage an active or a passive candidate in a job search. Um, what Part of what studi- prompted this study was um, being at, a, at a, a conference not too much like this, and a lot of the presenters were really focused on total, total digitization and, and yeah. pulling the recruiter out of, of the transaction, of the hiring mm. transaction. And actually what we're finding is that there's more need than ever for recruiters, but the but the role of the recruiter has really changed from a, a selection oriented role to an attraction oriented role. All meaning, right. I need people that can sell a job, that can sell mm-hmm. a candidate on getting engaged in a, in a selection process and stick with it and stick yeah. with us um, so through that process. become candidate marketers. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Just to give you an example, uh, I have a, a a client I support in the U.S. We'll hire about twenty thousand people for them. Only three percent of the people that we end up hiring were direct applicants. Kids, ninety-seven percent of them, we have to go find. Yeah, we get engaged, we get them excited about the opportunity, and then we get them to participate in the selection process. To get to that, I need to touch about a million people. Oh wow! Wow! So, it, it, so I've had to morph my operation from a really more traditional recruiting operation, mm. if you will, mm. to very much a direct marketing operation. Yeah, so and that was one of the things that I was interested in exploring with you. Is you know, I, I feel like. Uh, the, the role of the external agency side recruiter traditionally yeah. into the RPO world kind of had its day, all sort of came back in corporate. You know, it was very much the era of mm-hmm. um, talent management software sure. to kind of right. make that happen. And I feel like we're coming out the other side now and RPO is back in vogue, yeah. perhaps um, reimagined somewhat. So can you t- talk us through that kind of... Evolution. That is that is such a good question because we you know we face this in a lot of parts of the world and in fact even recruiting recruiters into an RPO organization used to be a very difficult proposition, but what we're finding is a lot of organizations are saying the skills that I need for recruiters is changing, mm. so I need them to be much more sales oriented. So mm. a lot of so when I, what I look for in a recruiter is someone who has a, a blend of both that corporate experience as well as the agency experience. The way I look at it is someone with corporate experience it understands the cultural sensitivity to an, in an organization. An agency recruiter understands speed to transaction mm-hmm. completion. Yep. And so the blend of the two make for a great recruiter. But here's the problem with a lot of organizations. 
they can attract those people, but they can't necessarily keep them because they don't have a great career path. Yeah. And as an RPO organization, you know, I, for instance, have 3,000 people working on my team. I have lots of growth opportunities for people. So I really focus on what is it that I can do to make sure I retain people, make sure I can grow them, um, and make sure that they're constantly able to deliver more for the clients. And I think that probably explains a little bit of that shift that you're seeing um, from organizations now taking a much more serious look at RPO, not because they're not competent recruiters, but they don't necessarily have the scale to, to flex the way their business needs. And more importantly, for the actual recruiters themselves, they don't necessarily have a great career trajectory for those individuals. Yeah, and it makes yeah. it tough to keep them. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I think um, part of this is that we're transitioning from a very process automation yeah. mindset which I think is, is what the first wave of RPO really addressed and did a great job of that. Yeah. Uh, but now we're in the world of employee experience and candidate experience. Mm, very and so we've now got a, there's an enrichment that's required. That's right. Uh, and that to me is where the expertise, the human side of this comes back into vogue again. I, I couldn't agree with you more, David. And, and if you think about it like this, the, the process part that you mentioned, that's a table stake. Yep. You can't be a provider without bringing that process discipline. But here's what our clients are looking for now. They know that every candidate, every applicant, especially if they have a retail product of any or retail experience of any kind, mm. there's a net present value of every single candidate. And they want to preserve that individual as a promoter of their brand and someone who will continue to consume their products on an ongoing basis. And so, if, so back to that example that I was sharing with you with the organization that we touch a million people, mm. all of those million people could be potential clients. Yeah. The net present value as a client of each one of them is about $6,000. Yeah. So what is the investment to spend an extra 15 minutes screening people, even if you know that they're not a great fit for the job, yeah. but you leave them with a really good impression mm. You know, an $18 investment for a $6,000 save yeah, is, is worth totally it. worth it. So, mm. so a lot of companies are thinking much more strategically about that. Mm. And, and as you guys likely know, as you're consulting to your clients, they're probably struggling to get dollars for the initiatives that they need, the technology investments, marketing investments, in, in um, employment, employment um, branding investments. But one of the things that we're also seeing now is that Marketing becomes a key part. A marketing organization for a client becomes a key part of the buying decision. Hmm. Number one, they want to make sure an external provider is using the brand in a way they want. But then the other thing that they're they're doing is they're able to provide funds because they recognize that there's value in in the way that you touch those those clients. And clients are holding RPOs accountable hmm. for candidate satisfaction. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, it's, it's funny because you, you're talking there really about the sort of the personalization of the experience and you're talking about leaving someone with this great feeling of going through a process that doesn't feel like a process almost, right. so to speak, right? That's right. It's, it's interesting because when we reflect a bit on the recruitment activities that we've done, we've always struggled with just firing job ads out and waiting for applicants. It's, it's, it's really never worked for us. It's always required yeah. us to go out looking for them and we found that really difficult. How do you scale that model you're talking about of going out and hunting and finding the talent. How do you do it on mass? Yeah, well, it, it's 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 a challenge. And so, one of the things that we did is we looked at what really good retail marketing organizations do, and we borrowed all of their techniques. So the first thing that we did, and and this was a big culture shift, was we put all of our recruiters on a contact center technology, at least ah. the ones that sit in our hubs. Hmm. Why do we do that? 
not necessarily because I want to try. I guess I, I do want to track their work, of course. But really, what I'm more focused on is I want to be able to share the interview and the screening experience with my clients so that they can help advise us in the moment as to how we should be talking about and representing their opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I also want them to get feedback from candidates. So here's what our recruiters are hearing from candidates, and the best way to do that is to be able to record is is through recording those calls. Um, the second thing that I did was I, I, I hired retail marketers and I said, think about this from the perspective of I need to, I need to, how many consumers do I need to target in yeah. order to get a target number of, of people engaged in my recruiting process or my, or my assessment process. And so, so we always work backward or reverse engineer into the total number of people we need to touch. And so, so then we will invest in technologies that we find give us the greatest reach, that they get in front of people in maybe a non-conventional way. So for instance, we know mm. that we're seeing increasing use of, of, of Facebook and Instagram across almost every yeah. demographic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in fact, that was part of our study was that there was almost no difference in use of Facebook as the number one social media tool for respondents to our survey anywhere in the world, yeah. frankly. Um, and, and, and so how do, I, how do I make my recruiting assets easily shareable, something that it's, it's easy for someone to read? If it shows up in your feed, it looks professional. It's something that you're going to want to click on to learn a little bit more. Um, and so, so I really think about it from that perspective. And then the third thing is really where, where we're going, what, what we're seeing is that a lot of our clients have a seasonal hiring need yeah. that is difficult to manage from a couple of perspectives. One, they might only have worked for a short amount of time for somebody. And the, and the second thing is you might only have worked for recruiters for a short amount of time. Yeah, so how yeah. do you bring recruiters how up do, and down? How do you deal with the flux? Yeah. yeah. And so so one of the things that we did um, in the U.S. and we're now in the process of expanding into other markets is we built a concept called Work My Way. And we have multiple employers um, for whom we hire seasonal jobs. So the value proposition to the candidate all of a sudden is, not, I don't have four months of work for you. I've got yeah. 12 months of work for you. Mm. And the value proposition to the employer is by providing 12 months of work, I'm able to help you retain some of the same people season after season. Yep. And so what happens? Training costs go down. Yeah. Um, even, even employee shrinkage goes down because it's a lot mm. of times retailers that need this sort of seasonal support. And so, so we've really had to invent yeah, a lot of out-of-the-box thinking to, to – um, or do a lot of out-of-the-box thinking to come up with uh, – yeah. to address exactly it's that. It's a really need. interesting angle. It's one that I hadn't really thought through. And one of the things no. that um, – yeah, I see a lot is this social disruption that's going on too with the, the, the nature right. of work changing and we're casualizing, we're going to the gig economy and yeah. you know, how do we, what does the future look like for my 11 year old boy who's going to hit the workforce in, you know, 2024 or something? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's not far away. <laughs> not far away. Um, so, well, that's a good, that's a really good question because um, when we, we did a study last year around millennials specifically, and we wanted mm-hmm. to understand their attitudes toward work, and what millennials will tell you is, I don't, I will do gig work, but that's not necessarily my preferred mode of work. Mm-hmm. I want a solid job with benefits that I can, you know, grow with. And, and so what we're seeing is a lot of people will take gig work, and it often, kind of um, makes unemployment statistics look a little bit lower yeah. in markets. Mm. But in general, there is a real thirst for kind of an ongoing commitment Something with consistent. an employer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Equally, I think one of the other aspects is uh, being able to connect people quickly with the organizations they're working for. It's almost That's like right. this rapid onboard, rapid offboard. Right. And I think what that, that innovative solution you've just described um, – tackles that as well you know we've got to be able to get people almost within minutes or hours that's right to connect to the dna level with that organization you know yeah and 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 you know in thinking about kind of 
the way you work with organizations. What is that? What is that leading us to? It's leading us to much more thinking about a CRM as an add-on to an ATS. So an ATS manages a, a, a legal process, mm. but a CRM can really help you have that marketing platform to yeah. to talk to a lot of people, know a lot about people, keep them engaged in a process, even if you don't have a job for them. Um, and and the the CRM technology we're finding is is evolving much more rapidly even than the ATS technology yeah. in terms of candidate management. And so that is a that is a space that we're we deploy it almost automatically as a course of doing business uh, for most of the clients we support. But that is that is a place where we're seeing a lot of organizations that they don't already have one. They're yeah. thinking about it much more seriously. Yeah, there's really this intersection happening, not just from a competence level we're seeing this happening between marketing and HR are really learning from each other but actually you're talking about it at a system level now you're actually saying marketing could share their CRM in some regards and HR could use it you know maybe they have different data sets in it but the same principle that you use around how you market how you manage a relationship how you attract apply that to the employee as well we're in the process of rolling out a Salesforce based ATS with one of our clients right now. There you go. So it is true. There is a really a convergence between marketing technologies and tools and, yeah. and recruiting technologies. It's and natural because fundamentally, it's we're in a people business. Yeah, that's right. right. Consumer marketers are in a people business. That's right. So it seems like almost the ultimate no-brainer to say, well, what is marketing and I guess the consumer-focused. Yeah. Roles, activities, what have they been doing? Where are they successful? Let's right. grab some of that and let's repurpose I, and, that. And David, I'm happy to see it because, frankly, it makes our job so much more interesting. Yeah. 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 It, trying new technologies, making sure that the way I look at it is how are you attracting people's eyeballs? How are you mm, getting them mm. to look at what you have to offer? And, and it's, it's, it's so much more exciting, um, I think, mm. um, than at any other time that, mm. I, that I've been in the industry. It must rapidly change the profile of... of you know, a great recruiter now. Yeah. Because, I mean, what I what I recall of recruiters when I first was in the HR space in the, the, you know, the early 90s and, and through that era yeah. was largely backpackers yeah. who were great on the phone yeah. and who were dialing for dollars and but, trying basically trying to badger people into, you know, but I know that's where, a stereotype. Goes, but, no, 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 but here's where it goes back to the basics. When I look at people who are most successful in talking to passive candidates and getting them engaged... It's that profile that you're talking about. It's someone oh, who really? loves to be on the phone eight hours a day. <laughs> the, what we what we say is it's actors, waiters, yeah. and bartenders. Usually they, with an English accent. Yeah, good talkers. Here. That's right. That's <laughs> really right. good talkers, aren't they? Because they yeah. had to do it for a job. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It, that's but, are, exactly but are we moving towards um, the skill sets being actually more like um, you know, using data and, and uh, the insights? Yeah. To be able to make a more sophisticated approach. So, so it's it's so think about with that soft skill of being able to engage the public and, mm. and being able to engage someone quickly that you've never met in a conversation, but also with the wherewithal to be able to leverage all mm. the data that's available. Mm. So, you know how to manage effective searches, how to find. It's really about finding the contact information and some background on that person to mm. make sure they're worth the time um, to try and, and mm. approach for the position. But, yeah, have. and it's also about. Creating the personalization in the approach, right. and I right. think that's the that's the secret sauce, and that's what the marketers have shown us. Yeah. They've shown us the way to dig deeper into data sets, make the connections, and go. Okay, we know Jim. You know, Jim lives in Boston, but actually, he's a Cubs fan because he that's that's right. in Chicago or somewhere yeah. around that, right? That's right. Well, don't so tell my I'm friends gonna, in Boston that. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how the how, how the Red Sox went on the weekend, which might be what my profile <laughs> says of yeah. you. I'm yeah. digging deeper to say. 
Hey, what a what a great year the Cubs had last year. What are you, That's now, right. Now you're interested in having a conversation about something else. I think there's the gold. You know, I, I totally agree. And, and and actually, that was one of the things that I talked about in the presentation too. Was you can do mass customization of marketing. Um, and one of the things we're finding is video is an extremely effective tool. So, mm. for instance, instead of sending out a job description via email, what we're now doing is sending a link to a video saying, listen to our recruiter talk about you know this opportunity that we have for you. Yeah. Um, if you keep it within a certain time frame, with, if it's less than 60 seconds, usually people are much more likely to click it. They're much more likely to click on it during certain times of day. Mm. Yeah. So we know all of this. So this, again, where the, where the data comes into play. Mm. So you can be really effective at when you're delivering content. Mm. And um, so in our case, we took a an old um, utility closet. We put in a green screen, and so we can change the logo behind our recruiters. Uh, and you can even customize that to the person. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I could say, "Hey, David, I've got an opportunity for you." And yeah. you know, I, I I read a paper that you wrote, and um, you know, my name is is Jim, and you know, mm. give me click below, and it'll con- 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 uh, link you directly to me. Yeah, and what cool. we find is too is that 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 personal connection between someone I just saw on video and then being able to pick up the phone and talk to them is really powerful mm. for candidates. Yeah, it's making that connection, isn't it? Yeah, you know, like mm. it's the thing we all strive for we strive for human connection and I think sometimes recruiters have a bit of a bad name in some cases they're sort of seen as overly salesy so, so do consultants yeah. Jared let's yeah, face it it's bad <laughs> but, uh, but I think actually what you're describing there is saying well let's meet you on your level and let's understand right. what matters to you and, and let's get down to that level yeah. of information and, and let's make it relevant for you yeah no Jared it's true if, if, and think about it from, from, from this perspective too Changing jobs is one of the top five most difficult decisions that people make in their yeah. lives. And, and so how do you take out that human element? Even the more personal you can make it, you know, yes, there's a sales element of what a recruiter has to do. And probably there's some people that maybe oversell what an opportunity would be. Yeah. But really, the, 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 another key piece of, or another key thing that's happening in our industry is that our clients are saying, don't just hire people to fill the job, hire people that are going to stay with us over time. Yeah. 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 And so, and I think, I think that's how you start to address that issue of a recruiter maybe overselling a role. Yeah. You know, it's really focused on, you know, what is that person's experience? And so a way that you can get at that is we ask our candidates after 90 days and 180 days, was the job what we represented? Did it live up to your expectations? And maybe what you're selling is, you're selling the experience the organization will provide them over their tenure as opposed to just the job they're looking at That's initially, right. you know, mm-hmm. different That's sort right. of mentality. Just one quick one before we, we wrap up. We are getting a little bit um, short on time, Jim, but um, Kevin Wheeler made a, a bit of a prediction this morning about um, the future of the recruiter. And he said, you know, I think that the recruiter is, their days are numbered. He didn't say it quite like this, but he basically said the day of outsourced recruitment is growing. And his prediction was more and more we'd see organizations using you know, companies like Manpower to yep. help them with their recruitment needs. And what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, here, this is this is a favorite topic of mine. Is and and part of what I think is it's not necessarily that the days of the recruiter are numbered, but the employers of the recruiters are changing. Yeah. Right. And in fact, if anything, we need more recruiters than ever because it's harder to get at exactly the candidates that we need to we need to get to. So you need more investment in. Getting to know a candidate, um, getting them engaged in the process, really mm. selling them on on pursuing the opportunity. So, I think there's a little bit of truth in that. I think that from the perspective of an organization looking for scale, looking for career paths, looking for to provide the best home for people, RPOs increasingly are becoming a really good option for yeah. a career for yeah. an individual. Um, and um, and certainly that's uh, you know what we're what we're finding now is safe. 15, 16 years into the industry, you know, people have basically grown their entire recruiting career from start to finish in RPO, and it's hmm. really a viable career option for people. Yeah. 
That's oh, very interesting. There's plenty more we can cover off. I think we'll is. probably need red wine <laughs> or something stronger. Um, but it's yeah, awesome to have uh, the opportunity to spend some time with you. You, you have uh, so Jim McCoy, Manpower. Um, you are the real McCoy of recruiting. I had to put that one in <laughs> I there. I like Dave. So. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help yourself, could you? <laughs> Thanks so much, David. Thanks, Jared. It was a pleasure to, pleasure to meet you here and uh, great to be at the ATC conference. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your time here. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.